Amen. Um, okay, so we're going to get right into it. Um, I'm going to start our text out of Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 5 through 7. And it says this. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. Somebody shout one another. In harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. With one mind, somebody shout one mind. One voice, somebody shout one voice. Therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. So today as we continue on in our series, uh, Mixtapes and Love Letters, I want to speak to you on the subject, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. As we look at how God has called us to community and how we are supposed to do life alone. Will you pray with me one more time? Father, we love you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every single person that's in this room. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every background, every, every denomination, everything that is represented in this room right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, that as I preach your word, Father, that you would give me wisdom and revelation. Father, I thank you that you would speak through me in this moment. Father, I thank you that not one life in here leaves the same way that they came in. But, Father, I pray that wisdom and revelation would take place in their minds and in their hearts. Father, and I thank you, Lord, that, that we will be a church of community. We will do this together and that we will realize that we're never alone and that we have each other. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to get right into it because I have four points today and I'm time sensitive. I like to be, um, make sure I'm on time. So everybody shout with me number one. number one. So number one, my first point is this. We have to be willing to start fresh. We have to be willing to start fresh and get a new perspective. Colossians 3, 9 through 11, it says this. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old self. Somebody say, put off the old self. With its practices and have put on the new self. Somebody say new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek. This is important that we hear this. In Christ, we are in Christ. There is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. And so I love, I love this. So we have to be willing to start fresh and have a new perspective. I want to share a story that I kind of shared last week, and I'm just going to um, kind of just go through it a little bit quicker. But last week I had shared, if you haven't listened to the podcast or you weren't here, I shared about a little bit about my background and my story about how I was actually molested as, as a kid and, um, and how that put a lot of damage and shame on me. And so for years and years, I held that shame. I held, I held all that inside. I didn't even end up telling anybody until I was 17. I was molested at 12 years old. I held it in for years. I didn't tell anybody. And the man I shared last week that had molested me, he ended up dying when I was 15. And so when I was 15, I was like, man, I just felt like I felt so sad that he, would, he had gone, that he was gone. And then I also just felt like this weight of shame, this weight of like this, this um, condemnation and this guilt that I had carried. And so I carried it on from 15 to 17 again, and I didn't say anything. And then 17, something had happened in my life, and I, I finally just said, look, I got to tell, tell my mom, I got to tell somebody, I got to get this out, because there was so much shame and weight on my life. And so I ended up telling my parents, and my, my parents are so awesome, godly parents. I grew up in church, and, and they, they gave me help. They were like, okay, let's, let's get some help. Let's get some counseling. Let's, let's pray this through. Let's see this through. And so I ended up getting help from it. But there was, there was so many years that I held that shame, and I carried that. And so we're talking about community. We're talking about relationships. 
We're talking about how, how we can have healthy relationships. But in order for us to have healthy relationships, we have to change our perspective. We can't carry an old relationship into a new relationship. So for many years, and I just realized this probably when I was about 21, I realized this, that I had friends around, but I held them at an arm's length. I had so many friends that are around me that, that wanted to love on me and care for me, but I held them at an arm's length. I didn't tell anybody. So I told my parents what had happened. I told my pastors and I told people that I trusted. But I didn't tell, like, my friends and all that because I thought, what would they think of me? I thought, man, I, I would have so much, I have so much shame. Like, what are they going to think of me? They're going to call me something because I, I struggled with identity issues. I struggled with so much stuff happening up till then. And then I realized this at 21 that I hadn't shared this, this part of me. I didn't share this story to anyone but my parents and my pastors. And so I held people at an arm's length. And I'm talking about right now how we, we're supposed to be free from these things. In order to walk into new relationships and to walk into everything that God has for us, we have to be free from some things. And so I ended up, uh, when I was 21 years old, I ended up sharing this to one of my best friends, Fabian. And I said, hey, man, like, I just want to share this with you. And I just feel like I just need to get this off my chest. Because I felt like, man, like, I literally judged every single person. I had said they were my friends. I had allowed them into my life. I, they shared everything that happened to them, but I didn't share anything that happened to me. I held them at an arm's length. I said, you can't get too close to me. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't allow you to get into my space. I can't allow you to get into to the areas of my life, the deep, dark secrets that I've held on for so long. I can't allow you to get into that place. And so I held it. I held it at an arm's length. I held them at an arm's length. But I remember when I was 21, when I told him, and it was freeing for me. It was freeing for me because in that moment, I realized, man, how many friendships have I lost out on because I didn't share the things that I was struggling with? How many people wanted to be a part of my life, but I held them at an arm's length? I would allow them to come little steps, and I would say things that would make them feel like we were best friends. Come on. I would say things like, man, yeah, we're, we're, we're really close. Like, I would share little, little tidbits here and there, but I never shared the full story of who I was. And the moment I did that, that was freeing for me. And, and when, I was, when I was preparing for this message today, God, God told me this. We have to be willing to start fresh and get a new perspective. It's a change of mindset. It's a change of mindset. And we're dealing, this is our relationship series. So this series is not only just about marriage. It's not only about singleness. It's not only about divorce. It's not only about all that. But it's going to be more intentional with who we are. We're going to dig deep and, and really develop who we are because in who we are, if we're healthy, Pastor Jason said this last week, if we're healthy ourselves, then we can be healthy to others. But if we are not healthy ourselves, how can we then be healthy? How can we then share who Jesus really is if we're not healthy ourselves? And so we have to really dig deep a little bit more. And, and this series, honestly, it's been challenging for me already. And we're only part two in this series. We got a couple more weeks to go. And I'm just like, I'm kind of scared and nervous to, to see what God's going to do. But I believe that God's going to cause us, as I dig deep, God's going to cause you to dig deep. And so God's going to challenge you in some areas and really, and really teach us in these moments of how we can gain a new perspective, especially when it comes to the friends that are around us. How can we gain a new perspective? Perspective, it says this. This is what perspective means. A particular attitude toward or a way of regarding something, it's a point of view. It's a point of view. And see, a lot of us are holding friends at arm's length because we're scared to tell them what's really going on inside. A lot of us are holding people far away and saying, hey, hey, no, 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 don't get too close. And we do this with Jesus, too. We, like, we say, Lord, no, no, don't, don't hit that area of my life. Don't hit that, that trigger point, the area that Jesus wants you to heal. That's why I got up here this morning 
when I did the transition, I wasn't supposed to be up here yet, but I just felt, man, my heart was just so, like, just heavy. And I just wanted to say, man, like, people need to know that they're a child, they're a child of God. Like, we don't just say these words. We don't just say these things. We're not preaching from a, from a um, pulpit of perfection, but I'm preaching because I'm in process myself. Every single one of these people that are on here worshiping God, we're all in some type of process. And so when we sing this song, that's why I got up here. I was like, man, if they just knew. If they just knew that God really loved them, if they just knew that God really cared for them, if they just knew, if they knew that they were really a child of God, we would act so different. We wouldn't come in here burdened and beat down. We would come in here, man, I am a child of God. It doesn't matter what's happening in my life. It doesn't matter what's going on in my family. It doesn't matter what's going on in my friend group because I'm a child of God. That means he is for me and he is not against me. Come on. And so it's, it's, it's really important that we, we change our mindset. We change this way of thinking. Like we have to speak the word over our lives. That's why the word of God is so important. That's why we, we get up here and I don't just preach just my thoughts. I preach the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is what transforms us. The word of God is what sets us free. The word of God is what renews our mind. The word of God is what changes our thinking. It changes our perspective. So when I say I'm a child of God, it changes my perspective. Because honestly, when I got in here, I had two hours of sleep last night and I was tired. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know. I got here at 5 a.m. to run through my sermon twice. And I, I said, man, I'm so tired. I am so tired. I was yawning through my sermon. I was like, man, this is going to be a rough day. <laughs> These people are going to be like, man, we should have just came 5 p.m. for Pastor Adam. I don't, know what, I don't know what Pastor Angie was thinking. Like, he's a little rough. He was a little off today. But I, and then I started changing my mindset. I said, I can do this. Yeah. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm more than a conqueror. I will get over this hump. I am not tired. Because greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. I started speaking the word of God. So we have to change our perspective. So when it comes to relationships and the people that are in our lives, a lot of us aren't, aren't allowing them to come into our lives because we haven't changed our mindset. We have to change our mindset. And we have to really allow people to come into our lives. There are people that are in this room that need you. Come on. There are people that are sitting in these chairs right now that may not have any friends but we're called to be community. That's why I love the well. And that's why I love how we have table groups. If you're not familiar with table groups, go to the connect table. This is why we, we do life together. We believe that, that what? The community is found through team and table groups. Team and table groups. Because that's where you can be most cared for. And so there are people in this room that need your story. There are people in this room that need your testimony. There are people in this room that are struggling right now in this very moment. But you know what? They're putting a smile on their face and they're sitting here acting like everything's okay. But in actual reality, all hell is breaking loose in their life. But you know what? We're called. We're not, we're not just the, the church of the four walls. This is not the church. This building is not the church. It's not. You know what the church is? It's when we go out and we meet with each other. We commune with each other like in the book of Acts. We, we sit down and say, hey, what's actually happening in your life? What's going on? What's, 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 what's happening in your area? What's happening in your family? What do you have going on in your life? So we have to change. We have to be willing to start fresh. And so that's what I'm asking you guys to do. When we, when we start this series, I'm asking you guys to start fresh. Start fresh. Start thinking of relationships. Man, man, I've held them at an arm's length because, because of so-and-so. Start putting two things together and say, man, man, why, why haven't I been so vulnerable to them? Why have I not really shared what's actually happening in my life? Why have I not gotten deep with them? Ask yourself these questions. I'm asking you, as I dig deep, I'm asking you to dig deep in this series. Amen? 
Everybody shout number two. We have to break free from past relationships that did us wrong. We have to forget the past. And I want to share this story. Um, I had a friend in Bible, Bible college, and um, he's actually one of my really good friends. He actually just came out for my birthday. He lives in Tulsa. Um, but I had this friend in Bible college, and, and we would hang out all the time, all the time. We had a group of friends, and we would always get together, and we would pray and do our thing. And um, we did this. This is back in 2011. I met him in 2011. And so we were all hanging out. We were all friends, and then me and him would hang out one-on-one. And I would always ask him because I learned. At this point, I had learned not to hold people at arm's length. And I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to really see what's happening. I, I dealt with friends that are around me in, in Salt Lake City in my same high school that I went to, Olympus High School. They had committed suicide, all these different things. And I said, you know what? I wonder. I wonder if I would have just asked the hard questions. I wonder if I would have just really asked them how they were doing. And not just asked them, oh, I'm doing good. Because I can see. I can see through that. I, I, I've, I've been around a little bit. I can see if you're just saying, I'm, just, I'm, doing, I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. And a lot of times we stop at that moment. We say, okay, well, they're doing good. Bye. But no, I've learned in this moment. So I met this, this my, my friend, um, and, and we would hang out all the time, and I would ask him all the hard questions. And then finally he was just like, stop asking me questions. Because he wouldn't answer. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. He was like, why are you asking me all these questions? Stop. I don't want you to know these things. And so I stopped. He's like, and then from that moment, he, he said, hey, I just, I, just need, I just need to, like, separate from our friend group and everything. I, and we went to Bible school together. So this guy knows Jesus and everything. And he's like, I just need to separate. So he stopped hanging out with all of us. He started isolating himself. He started, he started being alone. He said, no, no, no. And then I would text him and say, okay, hey, what's up? He, and he literally said, hey, I really don't want to be friends anymore. And to me, that hurt. That, dig, that dug deep because I was like, man, like, I've been nothing but nice. How are you going to say that you don't want to be my friend? When I've done everything but just been, I've been, been so nice to you. And so he would say, hey, just don't, don't text me, don't do anything. And I remember that moment, um, that, uh, that, that same week, I went home and I was like, man, I just went and I, I just prayed about it. I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do with this friend. I don't know what's, what's happening in his, in his life, but I know that you care for him. And I just need to know, I need some guidance. I need to know what to do. And so I prayed and, and I remember so, so clearly God speaking to me and said, he said, be his friend. Be his friend. Don't give up on him. Be his friend. And I'm like, be his friend? He doesn't even want to text, text me. He doesn't even want to talk to me. Like, we used to sit together in class, and, and now he's sitting on the other side. He didn't talk to any of our friend group. He just isolated himself. I'm like, how am I supposed to be his friend if he doesn't want to be my friend? That doesn't make any sense. How am I supposed to push myself on somebody? He's like, and God said it again. He's like, be his friend. Keep reaching out to him. And I was like, what? No, I ain't doing that. No. No, no, no. He's going to think I'm crazy, and I'm just not going to do that. And God said, said again, keep being his friend. Keep loving on him. And so I would talk to my friends, and we would be like, okay, like, what, what should we do? And, and all my friends were like, I'm, we don't need him. They were like, no, no, no. He's the one that ditched us. We don't need him. And I just said, guys, like, I just feel like, like we just need to be his friend. They're like, no, no, no. no. He's, wasting our, he's a waste of our time. Like, let's move on. And so everybody else in our friend group moved on. But I stayed. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to stay, and I'm just going to text him and whatever. So I texted him once a week. Months went by. Didn't, re- didn't reply. Literally months. Month after month after month after month. Went by. I would text him maybe like once every week and a half just to check on him. And I would say hi to him at school. But then nothing. He wouldn't say anything back. And then finally, he texted me back months later. This was like six months later of me just doing this, and I would just pray about it. And I, I get frustrated. I'm like, why am I wasting my time? This is stupid. I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be his friend. I don't want to be his friend anymore. Bye. See you later. Bye, Felicia. See ya. Don't want to be ya. 
And so I would just be like, man, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be a straight. I get so frustrated. And then six months later, I kid you not, he texted me. He said, hey, can we meet up for lunch or coffee? And I was like, whoa, man, okay. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to say, I'm going to block you on everything and don't ever text me back again. Or I'm leaving the state because you're weird. I don't know what he's going to say. But we got to that coffee, and I kid you not, he said, I, wanna, I owe you an apology. I owe you an apology because, honestly, I didn't know what a true friend looked like. He said, I had never experienced a true friend like you. He literally, these are his words, and he would say it today if he was here. He's like, I never really experienced because he had friends in high school, his buds, you know, they would hang out and do their thing and, and whatever. They would have so much fun and play sports and do all these things. But he said, man, like even with them, like they never asked me the hard questions. And he said, I have to apologize to you because really the reason why I ran away is because you were digging deep. And you were, you were really asking me all these hard questions that I didn't want you to know. And he said, I, I owe you a huge apology because honestly the last six months have been very lonely. And I've realized that, that, that I, need, I need people to ask me those questions. I need people to dig deep. And so from that relationship, I could have been, I could have said, forget it. I could have been like, man, I poured out my heart. I've done everything I could. And I could have carried that same thing into each relationship that I encountered. But no, I chose to what? I chose to break free from past relationships that did me wrong. I chose to forget the past. And this is what really look, what forgetting the past looks like. How can, so picture this, this is the past, this is the future. Past, future. I can only be looking one way. I can't, I can't, I can't look here and then look behind me. It's not possible. I can turn and have a different perspective. I can change this and have a different perspective. I can turn this way, have a different perspective. But I can't, I can't look, I can look side to side, but I can't look front to back. So imagine me, this is my future. This is the past, future, past. And so for us, in order to really forget the past, a lot of us are like this. We're, we're, we're literally like we're looking at the past. We're saying, man, 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 my life has been so hard. That person that really treated me wrong, I hate that person. And we're looking at the past. And, and really in actual reality, we should be forgetting the past. This is what it says in Isaiah. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. This is, this is, this is the word of God. This is easy. <laughs> Do not remember the past events. Hello? Do not remember the person that treated you wrong. Do not remember the, the person that stabbed you in the back. Do not remember those things that happened to you as a kid. Do not remember the past. Pay no attention. Get that. Pay no attention. So if I'm looking right here, what is this? I'm paying attention to the past. It says pay no attention to the past. So what does that mean? I have to change my perspective. I have to change the way that I'm looking in order to encounter great relationships and have great relationships in my life. I have to literally change the way that I'm thinking. I cannot look back and while moving forward. It is impossible to look back and move forward at the same time. We cannot do that. That is not how it works. We have to gain our perspective and, and change our way of thinking. We have to look this way and say, man, I'm forgetting that person that molested me. I'm forgetting the shame that was over my life. I'm forgetting the fear that crippled me. I'm forgetting all the people that did me wrong. And you know what? I'm choosing to embrace the future. But while I'm embracing the future, watch this. Watch this. I'm going to grab people along with me. 
I'm not just going to embrace the future and walk by myself because this life is not meant for us to live alone. I'm going to embrace the future, and while I'm embracing the future, I'm going to say, hey, Chris, come along the ride. Hey, Devon, come along the ride. Hey, Jordan, come along the ride. Hey, hey, come, come with me. I'm going to embrace the future while bringing people higher. That's what we're called to do as the body of Christ. We're called to forget what was behind embrace the future but while embracing the future it's it's like we we can't have the mentality that that it's just about me a lot of us in church have a mentality that it's just about me it's all about me it's all about me but do not remember the past events pay no attention to the things of old look i'm about to do something new how can we look at the past and expect jesus to do something new he said look it says it right here. This is the scripture. This is the word of God. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Look it up for yourselves on your smartphones, whatever you got. Your dumb phones if you have Android. Um, do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to the things of old. <laughs> My boys know that joke. I got you. Okay. <laughs> look, I am doing a new thing. How can we look at the past? How can we be looking at the past and expect God to do something new? God wants your eyes to be on the new. He wants your eyes to be set on the new. Look, I'm doing something new. Even now, it is coming. Do you not see it? How can we see it if we're looking at the past? God is saying, do you not see it? I want to bring people in your life that really care about you. Do you not see it? I want to bring community around you. I want to, I want to bring a, a godly spouse your way. Do you not see it? Look, I'm doing a new thing. Don't look at that old relationship that treated you wrong. Don't look at the relationship that you're in that you're supposed to be out of. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody. We're supposed to look and see that God is doing something new. God is doing something new in your life. But if we're so busy looking behind and looking at the past, how can I look ahead? How? What? God, I want to see it. And he's like, change your perspective. I'm like, no, change your perspective. Look a different way. Come on, somebody. So do not remember the past things. Everybody shout number three. We can't have a when it was just me and you attitude. This is, this is, this is one that's going to get a little deep. Because it's going to tug on our hearts a little bit. I was like, man, that's tugging on my heart. Because there are people that I do spend more time with. And there are seasons of life that you do spend more time with different people. So I'm not saying that. But a lot of us, sometimes we have a just, if it was just me and you. I wish, man, it was just me and you. Like good old days when we used to just hang out, man, it was just me and you. Man, I love those days. Man, I, I love that, the fact that, that me and you can just sit and, and talk for hours. But now it's not that way anymore. We have a bunch of people around us all the time. And we have a bunch of people in our group. And, it, man, I, I wish that it was, it was just me and you. You know what? We're not a clique. We're not a clique. This is why I love the well so much. It's because even in my table group, I have a table group, and it's all different types of guys. Pastor Jason calls it the prison ministry, but it's really not. I'll, I'll redeem us right now on the mic because I got the mic. He's on vacation, so what? All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but we really have to realize I love my table group because it's, it's all different types of people. All different types. All, like, I'm telling you, we got Polynesian. We got black. We got Hispanic. We got married. We got single. We have so many different types of guys. It's all guys groups, so women don't show up, okay? You can't, you're not invited. But 
But it's all guys, and I love it. The reason why I love it is because, man, like, I, I, it's, it's so cool to me that I get to sit with these, these guys every single week, and we talk about life. We talk about the deep things. We talk about the frustrations that we're having in our marriage. We talk about the, the frustration that we're having with our kids. We talk about everything. We talk about the frustration of, of being single. My dudes that are single. We talk about every, every little thing. And I love it because it represents that we are not a clique. Because if we were a clique, then half of those people wouldn't be allowed into our group. And I love this. Pastor Jason says this all the time. He said, man, when he came to Utah, he said, Lord, I'll go to Utah, but I will not pastor an all right white church. In Salt Lake City? I don't know if you guys have checked lately, but there ain't a lot of brothers around. Like, they're probably all in this room right now. But, man, I'm serious. Like, it's so crazy. And I love that because it shows me that he doesn't want to build a church that's a clique. He doesn't want to build a church that's all just white people. I don't want to pastor an all-black church because they would be showing up late. They'd be eating fried chicken. Their hands would be greasy. I don't want an all-black church. Thank you very much. I want a multicultural church that loves Jesus, that has every background, every denomination, every creed. I want that church. And so I think it's important that we know that we, we're not meant to be in a clique. This church is not a clique. And that's why it's important to get into a table group. It's important to find community that's around you. Why? Because we're not meant to live life alone. This is not a clique. Like you can look all around you right now. And there's so many different types of people in this room. And that's why I love this church. In Salt Lake City, to have this much ethnicity is amazing. And only God can do that. You know why? Because this is how heaven looks like. This is what it looks like. We're going to be worshiping together. We're going to be rejoicing together. We're going to be having fun together. This is how heaven should be on earth. When Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it what? Is in heaven. So this is how the church should look. We should be joined together hand in hand no matter what color we are, no matter what background you live in, no matter what space you're in. We should be joining hand in hand and say, man, come alongside me. Come alongside. Come be in my group. Come be in my group. This is not a clique. I love this. In James 2, 1, my brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor person dressed in filthy clothes also comes in, if you look with favor on the one wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor person, stand over there, or sit here on the floor by the footstool. Haven't you made distinctions among yourselves? Haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? When, when, first, when Pastor Jason said, we're coming downtown, initially I was like, man, like, I, I thought like, we were going to be like, in the heart of downtown because he kept saying downtown. And then he changed it and said downtown corridor because this really is not downtown. But don't tell him that. He thinks it's downtown, so we're going to leave it that way. It's the closest to downtown. So if we move downtown, then we'll be downtown. But this is South Salt Lake. But anyways, but he would always say, I love it when he first said, um, hey, we're going to go downtown. And the first thing I immediately thought about, I thought about homeless. I thought about, man, what would it look like to have a church if a homeless person walked through these doors, smelling, smelled like alcohol, what would it look like if they sat next to you? Would we judge them and sit somewhere else? Or would we sit right next to them and say, man, you're welcome. 
And I started getting excited. I started thinking about that picture of what that looks like. One day having homeless people, men and women, children, all of them, coming into this church, finding restoration and healing. And sitting by each and every one of you. And you guys not judging them for the background that they live in. Or what they've been in, in the past. Because how many of you guys know that all of us have a past, whether it's visible or invisible, we have a past. Some of us don't share our past. Some, some pasts are more inv- um, visible than others. But how cool would that be? And I started dreaming up. I'm like, man, one day, that's going to happen. I'm going to have 50 plus homeless people in here sitting down, worshiping with their hands held high, lifting up the name of Jesus. And, and every single person in this room is going to love on them. We're going to hug them. We're going to share the love of Jesus with them. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. We are not a clique. It doesn't matter what, what background you live in, what space or place you're in right now. We're not a clique. And so I love it when it says this. Sit here on the floor by the footstool. Haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? When I first read that, I'm like, whoo-wee. Man, that's tough. That's tough. Because honestly, like sometimes I judge. Not going to lie. I know you guys are like, man, pastor judges? Wow. Maybe you shouldn't pastor, pastor. But I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. Sometimes I judge. And I'm like, man, I show favoritism to one person, then I do the other. And I have to watch myself. As I was preparing this message, I started thinking about relationships that I do that with. I'm like, man, I got I to stop. I got to stop. Why? Because we're called to love every single person. No matter how old they are. No matter if they're single. No matter if they're married. No matter if they're divorced. No matter what background they live in. We're all called to love. Every single person, no matter what stage of life they're in. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Everybody shout number four. We have to realize that we are not alone and that we are in this together. We're in this together, community. Romans 15, 5 through 7 says this. Now, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. So that shows me right there we're supposed to live in harmony with one another. According to Christ Jesus. So that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Therefore, accept one another. That's the key. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. And I'm going to share this this story. Um, This was about, uh, let's see, about seven or eight years ago. And I was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the time. And um, I had been living there for about a year. And I had originally moved out there to intern at a church. And so I was working a full-time job while interning at a church. And so I'd work my job in the morning. And then I would go immediately to the church after work. Day in, day out. It was like clockwork. I did it every single day. Every single day. And then I would be at church. We have three services. And then I was over a dance team of 25 youth. And so I would do that. And we have performances. And I'd be choreographing shows and all kinds of things. And, and I was just so busy. I was just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. Until finally I hit a breaking point. I hit a low moment. And I only share these things because I, I, I believe that all of us are dealing with some type of situation in our lives. That none of us are perfect. So I, I shared this because... Because I believe that it will speak to you. And so I, I hit a, a mental breakdown. It was a year and a half in. And I just felt like, man, I felt alone because it was a new, new, new place. I had known some people, but I had gotten back to my arm's length. I had gotten back to this position 
of like not allowing people in. Because I was so busy, I was just doing, doing go, 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 go. And I felt like I had to live a perfect lifestyle. And so, so I remember this moment. I was driving in my car. I was on my way home. We just had a, an intense meeting. We had a guest speaker come in. And I just remember driving in my car, and I just started bawling because I felt lonely. I felt depressed. I felt so much shame and guilt. And I remember driving in my car. And I was going 75 miles an hour on the freeway heading home. And I kid you not, this voice came in my head and said, you should kill yourself. And you should run into that wall. You should just run into that wall while you're driving and kill yourself. And it said over and over and over. And I was just crying, bawling. I'm like, Lord, I just left the meeting. I've been serving you. I've been doing all that you've called me to do. But how many of you guys know that just serving Jesus doesn't exempt you from life? But it makes life better when you allow him into your life. And so, so I, I just remember saying those things. I like, man, and that thing just kept coming. You should kill yourself. You should kill yourself. And I was just depressed. And I was crying. I was crying. I was crying. I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can keep fighting this. I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can keep working a full-time job and doing this internship. I don't know if I can keep doing this and ministering to kids week after week. I don't know. And I just kept crying. And, I, I just, and the voice just came up to me. And I, I felt so alone in that moment. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't feel like anybody cares about me. I said these words. And how many of you guys know that that's, that's, that's the enemy? That's not Jesus. And so I, 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 I said these things, and I'm like, man, I feel like no one cares about me. I said that out loud. I feel like no one cares about me. I should just take my life. This is real. This is real. I should just take my life. No one cares about me. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm done. I'm done. And so I had that thought, and I kid you not. A moment later, my best friend, Fabian, that I went to, to college, college with, Bible school, the one I shared everything first with about my past and all that stuff that I shared with first when I was 21. And, and he called me, and he said, I was bawling. I, barely, I didn't even answer the phone, but I was like, I got to answer this phone. I got to answer this phone call. So I answered it, and he said, hey, I just felt like I should call you. And he lived miles away. He lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, different time zone, everything. He said, I just feel like I should call you. I, I woke up in the middle of my sleep just feeling in my heart that I should call you. And some of us might think that's coincidence. No. That's Jesus. That's Jesus using people, using community. And so he said, I, I, I thought I should call you. And so he called me. And he's like, hey, how are you doing? And he could tell that I was crying over the phone. He's like, I was like, I, I literally almost, I almost killed myself. And I'm just bawling my eyes out. And he's like, what? I said, I almost killed myself because I felt alone. And in that moment, he spoke life to me. This is how important community is. This is how important what it means to have community in your life. He's, he spoke to me. He said, Andrew, you're not alone. He's like, that's a lie from the enemy. He said, number one, I'm right here. Number one, it says in the word of God that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. That's one of my favorite scriptures. Every time I get up here, when I do transition or anything, I say that. I'm like, man, Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. So even when people aren't around me at that moment, someone is. Someone is. And so in that moment, I was like, man, I, I was going to kill myself. He's like, man, you're not alone. And he prayed with me over the phone. And he said, hey, you need to go tell your pastors what you just thought about. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I told my pastors, and they, they surrounded me. And it's so crazy how the enemy can just isolate you so quickly to make you feel like you're alone, to make you feel beaten down and shamed about anything that's happened in your past. 
And so I just, I remember telling them, and they surrounded me with love. I'm like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? If I had done that, I would not be on the stage right now. If I had gone through with that, I would not be preaching right now in this moment. But because I've had community around my life, because I know that Jesus cares for me, because I know that he died on the cross for me, I'm standing right here sharing that with you. It's not a coincidence. This is not by accident. And I want to tell you that somebody needs to hear that today. You are not alive by accident. You are not alive by accident. You have, God has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. And he cares about you. He cares about everything that concerns you. He cares and knows everything about you. And so it's important that we, we, we know that. And, and, and don't, don't discount community. If you hear anything, please, don't discount community. The reason why we have table groups is not just to have another thing. That's not why we do it. That's not the heart behind it. Why? It's because I cannot care for every single individual that's in this room. I can maybe hear stories and get to know some of you, but there's no way that I can care for, for a 300-person church by myself. And the reason why we have table groups is so that the people that are surrounding you can uplift you and be there for you. Come on. The reason why we encourage team is because not because we just need more people serving and volunteering. Why? No, it's because you can get connected to the people that you're serving with. And they can say, man, I'm having a rough week. And they can lift you up and say, come on, let's do it. Let's serve together. Let's love together. Let's be a part of this thing together. You are not alone. Jesus will never leave you and never will I. And so that's important that we know.